that the Lord gave you and did um, While we were in worship, um, for those of you who don't know me very well, the Lord oftentimes gives me a vision. And today, as we were in worship, I seen nothing but matchsticks standing in the pews. Some of those matchsticks were burnt just a little tiny bit. Some of them were burnt all the way down to the ground. Some of them had little flames. Some of them had big flames. But most of them weren't lit at all. They were just standing in the pew. And the Lord wants to ignite each matchstick. And I believe those matchsticks are us. We are the representation of those matches. So he's just asking for a small act of obedience on our part. Are you willing to allow him to ignite you? And if you are, I think we just each need to do something prophetic in order to be ignited because he wants to light us on fire. And he wants to burn this church down. And he wants this light to go outside of here and make a difference. Yeah, <clears throat> the Lord is speaking to us in many different ways. So before I, <clears throat> before we share the word here in just a minute, uh, maybe you're a matchstick and you feel like you've given it all and you've burnt all the way down and you feel resourceless. Uh, and maybe you're uh, flaming and uh, doing fine. And maybe you're one of those matchsticks that has not yet been ignited. Uh, so I just want to pray into this for just a moment and ask you to, to close your eyes. And um, if you're really any one of those categories, if you're lit and uh, just want more of the blaze of Jesus, uh, if you feel burnt down and resourceless, uh, meaning you've given and given over the years and you feel like you don't have much more to give and you want the Lord to restore the stock of your stick, if you will, uh, so that you can burn more and brightly for him. And if you're not yet ignited, then I'm going to ask in obedience to what I sensed the Lord was saying through the vision that we give an act of prophetic yes uh, simply by standing. And so it is, is an acknowledgement that I'm one of those threes. Just stand up where you are with me. Say, here I am, Lord. You know the condition of my uh, matchstick. I'm burning. I need more. I'm burnt down, and I need more. I'm not yet lit, and I need you. So, Father, right now, Lord, uh, you see our hearts, and we're asking that the Holy Spirit of fire would begin to light our hearts, restore um, us unto a full participation with you in this life. Thank you, God, that your fire is coming, is here, and that your fire is going to go outside these walls. And we pray for every other church in Wilmington and this region that you would be lighting them with us as well for your glory and for your kingdom to come uh, on earth as it is in heaven. And everybody said together, Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. Amen. Man, it got a little exciting in here this morning. It's what we like. If uh, you're new here, if you're not used to church being done like that, what the New Testament tells us is that everyone is to be bringing a song, a hymn, or a spiritual song. And, um, you know, that really is what church is about. It's not about someone up here talking or 
even us all singing together, it is about what God is doing in each of us collectively and then coming together and seeing that thing move, um, you know, uh, together. So anyway, just so, so exciting. But um, Abby and I were at a, my wife and I were at a conference um, over the weekend, and there was four or maybe even six little um, people there who had been at power camp. And uh, one of them came up to me at the very end of the, um, at, at the last session last night, and he went, and I was like, hey man, what's up? And he was like, he pulled his hand back and he went, and I went, what's up man? And I gave him a little fist bump and I said, how you doing? We, we, and, he, and he did it again. You are growing out this thing. And I said, I am, I am, I'm growing out this thing. Do you like it? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, one of my favorite parts of um, Power Camp is when we get out into the community and we encounter little people. I was at uh, Best Buy, uh, it's been a month and a half, two months ago now, and I was looking at a computer and there's this little table at Best Buy and the Apple computers and there, there's two sides and I was on one side and I, I really was, I was kind of oblivious to what was going on around me, but there was a mom and a little girl on the other side and it was a similar type interaction. I'm typing on this computer and all of a sudden I hear, oh, you're the power camp guy. <laughs> and I, I looked up at her and I said, yes, I exist outside of camp. Isn't that amazing? And I gave her a big hug, and I said, are you coming back to camp this summer? And she said, no, but I'm really looking forward to next summer already. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to share some of the highlights of camp. Um, I'm going to give you a big picture snapshot of what happened um, towards the middle of, our, of, of my sharing time. Um, I'm going to have two people come up and share testimonies just of some things that God did. Um, and then I'm going to close with a few words on baptism, because ultimately I hope all of you guys are going to join us and uh, head on out and have a picnic and uh, then share with us as we celebrate some people who are baptized. That sound good? All right, so uh, this is kind of power camp by the numbers, but we had seven weeks of camp this year uh, with a week of staff training that is eight weeks long. Um, how many staff members are in the room? We have a few you around here, okay. That is a long, long summer. It's long days. Most of our staff do 45 or 50 hours a week. Some of the leadership, we pull even more than that. Um, and it is hot, and it is tiring, and it is a beautiful, beautiful mess that God shows up in the middle of. So uh, that was just, just such a celebration. And the other thing I want to say before I even go to the next slide is, is David Kolk in the house? David and Barbara, are you here? David's back there. David started Power Camp. He built this beautiful foundation. David, I just want to say thank you to you for what you built, you and Barbara, and, and what you created, and, and really handing us a foundation on which we could continue to build. So thank you. Beautiful job, brother. Um, we had 1,074 camper slots over the course of our seven weeks. So it was just a real, real victory, real celebration. That's about 150 more than we had last summer. So we are seeing some growth, which is exciting. Uh, that averages out to about 154 campers a week. So when you add that to our staff, we had a pretty sizable crew every week back there. 
Uh, we had 65 staff members, and uh, if you know me very well, this is really where my heart beats is our staff members, because these staff members come in, and, and if you dig down below the surface, parents and people in our community don't necessarily know this, but the vision of Power Camp is to disciple young adults, to disciple our coaches, and then empower them to really touch the lives of campers. And so these 65 staff members are always just very, very special to me. And watching the relationships that get built and the testimonies that come out of that and what happens. And it's amazing, but when you do life together, it's messy. Right? And it is in those messes that discipleship happens if the messes are handled well. We don't always handle them well which gives us another opportunity to go back and maybe ask forgiveness or talk to somebody or encourage somebody or this made me feel or this looked like. And there's a lot of those type of conversations that happen when you have 65 people who work together day in and day out, all day, you know, five days a week over the course of a summer. And what happens is this network of relationships begins to sort of build and develop and grow together and it becomes this beautiful tool of discipleship. And it is my absolute favorite part of camp. And I really think it's one of the most powerful things that we're doing back there. So praise Jesus for that. Uh, this is an interesting statistic. 70% of our assistant coaches, so let me tell you about that. Our assistant coaches come in and they're usually high school students, okay? And they come in and volunteer. So our, our older coaches get paid, the college age and above get paid. Our high school coaches are volunteers. And, and, um, they come in and work with us all summer. Now, 70% of that group, of the 30 high school volunteers we had this summer, were campers previously. Isn't that cool? I mean, I was, I was so shocked when I looked at that. Uh, Judd Smith actually pointed this out to me. And I was like, what a beautiful sort of phenomenon. How many people are going through camp and then they're returning to come join us as staff members. It's just, to me, it, it's proof that the Holy Spirit is in this. God is in this. He is doing something. And we're really creating a culture that is sort of beginning to snowball upon itself. And that's really what we believe we're called to do here, not just at Power Camp, not just at Myrtle Grove, but in the kingdom is advance the kingdom of Christ Jesus on the earth, in our city, in eastern North Carolina, and let's believe together we can change the course of history in this area. That's what we're called to do. And I'm crazy enough to believe that together we can do that. Uh, this next number is kind of cool to me. This is uh, 90%. Um, Matt George, Matt, wave at us. He just took a group, um, he's our youth pastor here, amazing, amazing man of God, um, really love him. And he and I sat down at the beginning of the summer and I said, Matt, I want to really work hard, you and I partner together, to make sure that we assimilate as many coaches as possible into our middle school and high school youth programs. Because part of what we want to do here is begin to incorporate some of the people coming through Power Camp back into Myrtle Grove and the growth of the kingdom here at home. Make sense? So Matt and I sat down, we talked about it, and Matt built relationships along with me all summer with our, our students and with our um, 65 staff members. And at the end of the summer, he took a trip down to Florida, a mission trip. Just got back, very, very successful, so proud of him. And 90% of the people that went on that trip were our, our coach staff. 
we successfully assimilated some of the people who are back there working with us into something that we're doing here at Myrtle Grove. And we're actually seeing sort of those two things connect and collide. And we believe we're going to see a lot more of that in the future. So, Matt, so proud of you. Thank you for all your hard work in that department. So 90% of the people, 27 out of the 30 people that went, uh, were on staff with us this summer at Power Camp. So very cool. Um, Let's see. 156. See if I can remember. Uh, this is how many scholarships we gave out. 156 scholarships. Is that cool? Can you guys give yourselves a hand? Isn't that awesome? I don't know if you remember, but at the very beginning of the summer, um, I shared a, uh, some kind of sermon. And at the end of the sermon, we challenged all of you all to go out and to reach out into the community, not to a church person, not to somebody else who was going to another church, but to somebody who was just, just totally unchurched, didn't know about Jesus, and give them a certificate to come join us at camp. There were 68 of those certificates that were turned in on our computer system and registration. So 68 little ones who were unchurched out there came and joined us back here this summer and got to hear about Christ Jesus because of what you did. Is that awesome? Can we give, a, give the Lord a hand for that? I, um, I have some fear and trepidation when I begin to get into giving you numbers about what God did, like the 68, and I'm going to tell you how many people came to Christ and those kind of things. But I want you to remember, every one of these little numbers is a person with a name, with a story, with an experience, and they so matter to God. And that is why we're doing this. This isn't just a number. There's 68 little ones who came in here, and whether they accepted Christ Jesus or not, they went back to their families, they're going back to their schools, they're going back out into our greater community, and they are carrying the seeds of Christ Jesus that they heard here. That is beautiful to me. So well done, guys. Thank you all for partnering with us at Power Camp to advance the kingdom by giving away these scholarships to people in our community. So I celebrate you there. Thank you. The total number of scholarships we gave out were $24,112. That was the, f- the fiscal value of scholarships. So I just want to say a big, big thank you to all of you all for helping us make that possible. Can we give the Lord a hand on that? And um, 109 of our little people that were back there rededicated their lives to the Lord. So what we began to do this summer is our core team sat down and we said, you know, we think that there's some repeat customers when we say, who wants to accept Christ? You know, and uh, so we started uh, charting that last summer and the summer before and we had kind of a master spreadsheet. And when our, our list of little ones who'd given their lives to Christ came in, we would compare that to previous years. And there was 109 little ones who said, you know what, I want to give my heart to Christ afresh or in a new way or maybe at a deeper level we didn't micromanage that it was just kind of wide open but uh, that was that was so neat for me and then the next one is one of my favorite numbers 144 little people gave their lives to christ jesus this summer isn't that cool that is this beautiful transaction where a little person goes from isolated and disconnected to the Lord 
any, an eternity that, that is not destined for heaven and paradise, and they give their heart to Christ Jesus, and then all of a sudden there's this beautiful transaction that happens, and Christ is now living his life in them. My friend Matt likes to say there's not a junior Holy Spirit. They have a full Holy Spirit living in them. Christ Jesus comes in to 144 little ones. And I believe what's happening, I don't even think we've seen the fruit of it yet, but I believe that these 144 little people are going back out into our community and they are in subtle ways sharing the love and life of Christ Jesus with their families. And I think there's some revival that's going to go back up line through the generations because of what's happening here. I don't even think we've seen the fruit of that. So that's one of the things that I continue to pray for is that the Lord would establish His kingdom, His will, and His way through what these little people who've given their lives to Christ. Whoops, I think I hit my button. So 253 is our total number of, of little ones who either rededicated their lives or gave their lives to Christ for the first time. Can we give the Lord just a big hand on that? That's just so good. that is it on my statistics. So um, one of the things that I did is I reached out to a couple people and I had them um, sort of share with me uh, of the, the people that they reached out to, the families and the campers in our community that they reached out to. I wanted to hear some stories. Tell me some stories. Tell me how you did that. What happened? And one of those people is Miss Joan Mevin. And I'm going to ask Miss Joan to come up. I'm going to borrow this mic. <coughs> and uh, Miss Joan is very special to me, her and her husband Carter. They're just dear friends of, of Abby and, and mine, and uh, I love them so much. You might get a tear out of me. Um, but uh, she is such a committed, just warrior saint of a lady. And Abby and I, yes, you are. Abby and I used to live over near her, and, and once in a while, a few times, we went on a, on a walk through the neighborhood with her, and she just walks, and she prays, and she talks to the Lord, and she talks to people, and we put this card um, in her hands and said, reach out and share the love and life of Christ with a little person, and uh, I want her to tell you sort of what happened and, and what she did. Last time was I was um, in front of people and a microphone was at my high school graduation. And um, that was a little while ago. So that's why Michael is holding me up here. <laughs> Friends are special, aren't they? My good friend Donna Manta asked me to take two girls from public housing to power camp for a week and also to pick them up and return them home because I usually say yes without thinking or praying about it, I became the transportation. Little did I know what a gift God was about to bestow upon the girls and also me. They were sitting on the concrete steps of their home in the projects, excited about coming to camp. I noticed that their things were in plastic bags and they were wearing flip-flops with the thinnest of soles. They got into the car with bunches of smiles and off we went. I admired their courage to go to, to with strangers to a foreign place. As we drove up, the welcome at Power Camp was, well, powerful, to say the least. I felt like a camper myself. Everyone was not only filled with smiles, but also very much the love of Jesus. The girls knew at once that they were not only welcomed, but wanted something very important to them. They love and accept that all the staff, 
back up. The love and acceptance that all the staff gave was very special, especially for these girls, one of whom was to start middle school in just a few weeks. Thank you, Power Staff Camp. Power Camp Staff. <laughs> you are a light for the Lord and vessels of his love. What you are doing does make a big difference in the kids' present as well as their future. To God be the glory. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite parts about our church is that we are multi-generational. I just love that. That is such a, a win to me. I'm not interested in seeing the younger people or the older people segregated. It's, it's, it's in togetherness that we're a family and in togetherness as we walk together that is to me is such a win. And... Um, Abby and I were saying the other day, we were going, I'm, I'm departing a minute, but um, if we weren't at Myrtle Grove, where would we go? And, and we went, there is no other place because in this city for us, because we so love um, the mingling of the generations and we so love what God is doing here and there is a foundation in this house that has been laid over the decades that is so beautiful. And we are committed and absolutely believe that the best days of what God is doing here are ahead of us and not behind us. <clears throat> Joan, thank you. Uh, you and, and Carter are heroes of ours and mentors of ours, and I'm so grateful um, to have you share. And uh, just so beautiful and touching. And, and Joan wouldn't tell you this, but Carter came up to me right before the, the service, and he just said, um, you know, these girls that they went and picked up, they just picked up again, and they took them over, and they got all their school supplies. And then they went and dropped them back off, and it's like created this ongoing relationship that Joan and Carter are just championing. And, uh, I mean, that's doing the stuff. That is, that's what this is about. So can we give the Lord just another hand for what he's doing with these two? The next person I want to bring up um, is someone that you may not have met yet, but uh, her name is Jen George. And uh, her and her husband moved across the country to come join us here in Wilmington. And they joined our Power Camp staff team. And the last couple months, she has been coordinating and facilitating our children's ministry in the back. And um, if you haven't had a chance to get to know her or her husband, I would encourage you to reach out and uh, build a bridge there and get to know them. They have a powerful, powerful, intimate walk with Jesus that has blessed my heart. And watching her minister to our little ones um, is absolutely beautiful. The first time she and her husband came, I, I sat back with the, with the children and watched them share Jesus. And um, it was so authentic and so real and so powerful. So, Miss Jen, will you come on up here and will you uh, share with us some of your experience at Power Camp? Let's give her a hand. Thanks, guys. It's so great to be here. I don't often get to be in this room with you all because I'm back there with your beautiful children who are all amazing, by the way. Thank you for sharing them with me. Um, so my heart really for children's ministry and kids in general is to introduce our little ones to who Jesus is. For years and years, we've taught kids about Jesus. You know, we've gone through the Bible with them. We've told them the stories, um, they know the milestones, which is all great, but 
somehow we've ended up with kids who have gone to church since they were little who then are done being kids and they don't actually know who he is. Somehow they learned about him and they learned facts and information, which is all great and we need to know, but, but they missed out on who Jesus actually is. So my passion in my heart is really to, while teaching about who he is, introduce them to Jesus, to Father God, to Holy Spirit, so they have a living and active relationship. There's, there's no junior Jesus. There's no junior Holy Spirit. You know, they get all of him just like we get all of him. So that's my heart for the kids. Um, but at Power Camp this summer, it was super fun. Um, our first week, one of my favorite little moments, I was in the first and second grade class. I did that all summer. It was beautiful. Have a few more meltdowns in the first and second grade class than you do in the seventh grade. Um, but it's beautiful, you know. We had our moments of crying in the grass and, but I don't want to. It's beautiful. Um, but it was the first week of camp, and it was on a Wednesday morning, and this little guy got dropped off really early. So we probably had him in the classroom. It was me and the teacher who I was, the coach I was coaching with. And we probably had him for about five to eight minutes before any other kids come in. And when you have a first grader, there's only so much conversation you can get going, you know, before you're, like, running out of things, you know. What would you eat for breakfast? Cheerios? Awesome. Who is your favorite superhero? Batman. Awesome, you know. So, so I just asked him, you know, we sit, we sit through services in the morning. We do our worship songs, and then someone talks about Jesus. And I just asked him, I was like, hey, dude, do you know who Jesus is? And he's like, nope. And I was like, oh. So this little guy, you know, he sits on the gym floor, and he listens to people talk about Jesus, and God is in a good mood, and he loves us, and he wants to be our best friend. But he has no idea who Jesus is. So the coach that I was working with, we kind of look at each other and give a little smile. And we went through and we told him who Jesus was and what Jesus did. And we told him about the cross. And, I mean, really, power camp formula, the cross. We teach the cross on, on Friday at the end. But we just we gave him a little head start. So we walked through um, just the life of Jesus and why Jesus came and Jesus dying on the cross. And we got to the cross part. And he was, like, on the edge of his seat. He would never heard this before. And he was like, so he did all that stuff, and then he died? Is there more? And so we were like, yep, there's more. And so we finished the story, and he was quiet. And, and we were like, so, buddy, what, what do you think about that? Like, do you think you want Jesus as your friend? And he's like, yeah, I do. And so he invited Jesus into his heart right then, which was really sweet. But the part that just wrecked me is that for the rest of the week, and then especially on Friday when we were telling all of the kids kind of the salvation story, Jesus on the cross, he was like a little evangelist. He would like, I mean, we were out playing soccer. And I would watch him like run up to the little kids. And he's like, do you know about Jesus? And we were doing, like, our devotion on Friday and going through. And, you know, I'd ask kids questions to engage with them. And, like, so, do you know? And he's, like, every question I asked, he's, like, oh, I know the answer. 
I know this one. I know Jesus died for me. He died for me to get rid of my sins. And it was just, he, he went from, I don't know Jesus, no, to like, I can't not tell everyone about Jesus. And he was only six. So it was beautiful. Changed life forever. There was a, uh, I love Jen and her heart. Thank you, Jen. She's going back to be with our, uh, our kiddos in the back. Um, there was one other testimony I wanted to share, and uh, this came from uh, Melody Hewitt. And uh, Melanie, Melody basically reached out um, to a child in her neighborhood or near her neighborhood, and uh, she, she built a relationship with the mom. And uh, then she you know, went over there, and she'd pick the girl up um, every day for power camp and bring her. And apparently on the way home in the afternoon, the girl would get in the car and, and Mel would ask her a couple questions and within five or six minutes, the little girl would be just passed out sleeping. <laughs> we, hear, we hear that a lot from Cam. There you bring them home so tired. Um, so she said this, this went on every single day. And um, what Mel did is she reached out to the, the little girl's mom and she said, will you go with me to the closing ceremony on Friday? And so she went and she, she picked up the closing ceremony, if you don't know, is kind of where we showcase everything that's happened all week and um, really kind of neat, re- just real special time. And um, so Melody went and she picked up the mom and they came over here to camp. And at the very end of our closing ceremonies, we announce the ones who've given their hearts to Christ Jesus and then we give them a hardback Jesus storybook Bible, just a real, real kind of potent time. And uh, apparently they had no idea but uh, this little girl had given her heart to the lord and they saw her you know heard her name called and then saw her jump up and run up front and get the bible and you know mel and this lady just sort of teared up and and sat on the bleachers and just kind of had this sweet little moment between them and um it's it's just built a bridge you know it's built a bridge of relationship between their the two families and uh she just ended with how thankful she was that, that god was using um our church and uh, the tools that he's give us, given us to reach Wilmington. So can we give the Lord just one more hand for what he's doing? <coughs> I'm going to switch gears now, and I want us to talk a little bit about um, baptism. There's a baptismal underneath our white tent out there. You may have seen it or you may not have, but it's there. It's a big tank. And uh, I just want to talk a little bit about, about what that is and I do hope, as we move that way, that whatever your lunch plans are, you will consider postponing them and coming to join us, hang out, and I get to know some people and then participate and, and celebrate some of the people who are going to be baptized. But um, in the old, uh, the old covenant, the Old Testament, um, the sign or the seal of being in God was circumcision. And I'm not going to go too much into that, um, lest we all get embarrassed and I sit up here and blush. But... Uh, that that was the sign and the thing about the old covenant was under the old covenant and our relationship with god as as humans was by and large that of um servants we related to god as a master and there are some there are some exceptions to that there's a verse in exodus that says moses knew god face to face and talked with him as a friend but by and large the relationship that god established um after the fall was was one where God was our master, God was our, 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 our God, and, and we were servants. And what's beautiful about the Bible, what's beautiful about our God, is that the revelation that he gives is cumulative. So 
So everything he gives, God continues to build upon what he's already done. So it doesn't negate what's happened, or it doesn't negate the former revelation that's come. It just builds more and more upon it. And so without going too much further into this, what my favorite um, parts of the New Testament, my favorite you know, sort of the attitude that, that begins to happen is there's a switch, there's a dividing line where God no longer is relating to us um, like slaves, but he's inviting us in to be sons and daughters. He's inviting us in to be heirs. And, um, you know, something happened recently, and it, it, almost, it really it did grieve my heart. Someone came to me, and um, they were concerned that, that we'd refer to God as father or, or daddy or even papa. And um, I began to talk to this person, and then we began to share, and it became clear to me that they just had not had the opportunity to get to know God like a like a father like a daddy and um, we didn't have the chance to look at all the scriptures but one of the scriptures that I love is this one in Mark 14 and it's where Jesus is getting ready to go to a cross and he says Abba he's talking to his father he says Abba and that's Aramaic for for daddy or for papa and it is so biblical this transition that happens between we relate to God as as uh, a slave or a servant to we enter the new testament and the the cumulative revelation that happens where we begin to relate to him as a daddy you know my kids our kids are um they just turned 9 and 10 and they're right at that phase where they're starting to call me dad instead of daddy you know, and there's something so um, special about even the name Daddy. It's so intimate. And, you know, there's a little bit of, there's a little part of me. Um, Stephen just turned nine, and he's starting to go, hey, Dad, what about, you know, hey, Dad. And he, he loves to, you know, hey, always Dad. But there's this little part of me that, that um, is almost uh, sad to see that Daddy go because it's so tender, it's so intimate, and um, it has to go. It has to go for him to grow and become a man. But as, as I look at Christ Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in this, in this passage, he is relating to his father like that, Daddy, you know, Daddy, take this cross that I'm about to go to from me. And there's this whole uh, paradigm shift that happens where we're invited to know God as a Daddy. And it, it all really um, begins in the New Testament um, when Jesus is baptized. It's an absolutely beautiful passage, but Jesus is coming down to, the, um, to where John the Baptist is baptizing people, and um, Jesus comes up to John, and John the Baptist knows who Jesus is. And Jesus is like, John, will you baptize me? And, and uh, John says, no, you need to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, this has to be done to fulfill the Scriptures. And so John baptizes Jesus into the water and then comes back out. And when he does, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, a light comes down on Jesus' head like a dove. And then there's a voice from heaven that says, This is my Son, whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. And there's something so powerful in that moment because it's almost like the transition is already in process. It's already happening because Christ Jesus came and he lived his life on this planet and he broke through things that we were now able to follow him through. We are now able to walk in that type of intimate God is our Father who loves us and is well 
pleased with us. That doesn't mean we don't mess up, but that means that every day when we get up, we have the opportunity to know him and walk with him like a God who is our daddy. This is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. And so this paradigm shift that happens with baptism, and baptism is one of only two sacraments that Jesus institutes in the New Testament. One is communion and one is baptism. And in some ways, baptism is like a symbol. Um, You know, I have a wedding ring on. Uh, If you weren't, um, some people could ask, if I wasn't baptized, am I still saved? Yes, yes. So in some ways, it's like a wedding ring. You know, here's my ring. It says I'm married to Abby. If I take my ring off, am I still married? Absolutely. This is just a symbol. It's just a symbol that that I stood um, before someone with her and we committed our life and love to each other. And in some ways, baptism is symbolic of the old person, the old man or the old woman being washed away when you dip down into the water. And as you come up, you're new in Christ. So does that actually make you saved? No. But is it an imperative part of the Christian life? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you haven't been baptized, we're going to even invite you to do that today. If you know Christ Jesus in your heart and you want to be baptized, I'm going to have you see one of us as we go out here and have lunch, and we would love to do that because it is so, so powerful and so moving. Um, I went through a difficult time of my life a number of years ago, and um, I was, for seven years, lived in some substantial darkness and deception. A lot of you know my story. And one of the things that I had to do coming out of that was I had to be baptized. I had to have sort of that symbol that the old uh, Michael is gone and sort of this new relationship with Christ Jesus where he is my, my daddy, my papa, my God. And uh, so my dad um, took me down to, uh, we were by Johnny Mercer's pier and he baptized me in the ocean. And it was just a, it was a powerful, intimate moment, uh, not only between my dad and me, but also between my papa and me. And uh, so it's a, it is such a beautiful and even sacred, holy thing. And if you know Jesus, it's not the kind of thing that you, you, you just get baptized once. You don't need to be baptized multiple times. It's like getting saved. Once you ask Christ into your heart, He's there. But it is something that is so important. And any of you who are here who have never been baptized, we do want to invite you to join us in that, to be baptized today. And um, those of you who have already been baptized, we want to invite you as we head out to Um, watch and be a part as a family. It's a little bit like a wedding ceremony. We're all standing together and you watch someone get baptized and we're committing to walk with them as they walk with Christ. So, very special moment. Uh, The other thing that I want us to just be thinking about, I just sense from the Lord, is there's probably some of you, if you're like me, that there are days where you slip back into relating to God like a master and you being a servant. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is true. That is right. That is biblical. But remember, the revelation of Jesus is cumulative, and it builds upon each other. And He is inviting us to know Him as a Father, that Daddy, Daddy, I am so pleased with you. And so I don't know where you are today, but if you're like me, I frequently have to revisit these passages, and I often begin my day by reminding myself that my Daddy is pleased with me. That He loves me, not because of what I've done, not because of what I'll do this day or the next day, but because Jesus is in me. He's pleased. 
So I want to invite you guys and Travis and the team. I'm not sure if you're backstage or you're sitting out here, but I'm going to have Travis come up and I want us to linger uh, for just a minute in worship. And just, I want you to, to reflect on and think about sort of where are you in that walk? Are, are you still living like a servant? Are you still living like God is a master? Which he is, that's true. Or have you embraced the, the newest revelation in the New Testament that he's a father and that he is so pleased with you? So, Travis, are you here? Way back there? Don't know? Let me poke my head backstage. This is, uh, this is the beautiful part of life in church. There they come. All right. Welcome, guys. Here's what I'd like to do is I just want to take a minute, and this isn't, there's no formula. This is just a time where you can let the Lord work in your heart. But He is today and every day for the rest of your life. He's going to invite you into that relationship where you are Papa where he is Papa to you, where he is Father, where he is Daddy. And uh, just like Jesus cried out, Abba, that you could relate to him that way. So stand or sit as we worship, and then uh, Pastor Steve, I think, is going to close us in just a minute. Father, as we, we just turn our hearts toward you. We celebrate you, Lord Jesus. Father, it's so easy for us to slip into the works, sort of, we work for your pleasure on us, we work harder to make you happy with us, and those are all lies. Lord, those of us, as we're in Jesus, you are pleased with us, you love us, you are Daddy God, and you want to walk intimately with us both today and every day. So Father, as we worship here in these next few moments, Holy Spirit, would you in our hearts. Those of us who don't see ourselves like sons or daughters, Lord, would you touch us and bring us into that full revelation of you as Papa God. Father, anyone here who's never totally surrendered their heart and life to you, Lord, could today be a day where they would say, I want to invite this God into my heart live and to dwell and to walk. Lord, as we head out to the picnic, Father, would you build community in this church, in our church, where we turn our hearts towards you as we worship. Would you work in us? nothing worth more that will ever come close nothing can compare your all-living hope your I've tasted and seen all the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. 
meet some new people. Share your story and maybe ask them to share some of their story uh, with you. Let's pray together. And if you didn't bring anything, you don't have to bring anything. We have all of that uh, back there. Bubba, bless you, brother. best things you can do in life is to pray to God Almighty, His Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we just come to you now in the name of Jesus. We know that you love us in a very special way because you gave your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. This is the new covenant. This is the unconditional love. And we thank you for it. Father, we just thank you now for the food that we're getting to take, for the nourishment of our bodies. We thank you for the baptism of those who will be baptized in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just thank you for your love through your Son, Jesus Christ. May each person here feel the presence his love and enjoy the fellowship with one another and we'll be the first to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus precious name we pray amen thank you Bubba we're uh, dismissed we can go out this um, door and into the fellowship hall uh, you can be seated there or outside under the tent. Just enjoy yourselves in the presence of God. Remember, He chose you. Thank you.